your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture With Stick Around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast which has also never stolen anything from a Blackpool news agent Sponsored by Alex Wayne's Beach Cleanup Change my pitch up, sweep my beach up Change my pitch up, sweep my beach up This plastic is not fantastic We'll need measures which are drastic This plastic is not fantastic It's making me unenthusiastic Woo! 700th time lucky there. Uh, <laughs> worth it. <laughs> worth it. Um, yeah, that take was, you know, average, but I absolutely nailed one and then my mic broke, which um, Michael will back up. Yeah, you know, Un- unreleased recording was that. It was amazing. I don't know if I'll ever be able to recreate the passion of that unreleased, <laughs> deleted recording, but we shall see. Um, I am here today um, with Michael Johnson. Hello. And we're here for music episode 27. It's just a two-man pod today. Um, referenced in that sponsor there, Alex Wayne is um, cleaning a beach today. Um, yeah, he's literally cleaning a beach. Not. It's not. A, yeah. It's not a, a, it's not a euphemism for anything, or, yeah. or or some sort of hilarious joke. He's actually cleaning a beach. Um, in Tyne Mouth. In Tyne Mouth, and I believe this means he gets a day off at some point. Yeah, Christmas apparently. Oh, okay. What Christmas Day? <laughs> I hope it is, but I don't think so. I mean, that sounds. This sounds like rock star working conditions. Um, <laughs> to as work, in, to as get... in the gaming company, not actual rock stars. As in, as in, yeah, the gaming company. Um, <laughs> you can get Christmas Day off as long as you spend all day one random Saturday cleaning a beach. Um, this is interesting. Have you got any any more information about this, Michael, or is it just? No, but I know that the weather up there is horrendous. So <laughs> I'm sure he's enjoying it. I'm sure he's having a, a great time. I mean, worthy cause. There is too much Absolutely, plastic on the yeah. beach. Got to get rid of that plastic because, you know, this is one of those things where humans were like, oh, yeah, um, what should we do with all this? Just chuck it all in the sea, you know. What could <laughs> yeah. possibly, possibly go wrong? Sea's massive. Um, <laughs> it's really, really big. I mean, it could take endless amounts of plastic, surely. Um, if many years later, they bite them, it bites them in the ass. Um, which um, I suspect is what's going to happen about fracking pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, what is it, the uh, 17th earthquake in nine days from that? Yeah, so, so soon starts gonna, stuff's going to just start collapsing. And if, then, on, uh, if only someone had warned them. <laughs> if only, yeah. Oh, oh God, I wish someone had you know, done some research and realised this yeah. probably wasn't a great idea and you know people had protested it and all that kind of stuff, but... Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's happened. Everyone's just been fine with it. Yeah, exactly. Just too late now, isn't it? Everything's going to collapse. I mean, if they had, if they had protested it, I'm sure they wouldn't have arrested any peaceful protesters or anything. You know? <laughs> oh no, absolutely not. A bit like here with the chopping trees here in Sheffield. Yeah, exactly. Definitely, definitely haven't arrested any of those. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, it's not been such a big deal where I live now. Where I was previously, it was just a tree protested mayhem, but. <laughs> there, isn't that, there isn't that many trees here. All right, yeah. Um, so less, less protests. It's not because they've all been chopped down, is it? Well, it might maybe before I got here. I don't know. <laughs> there is a strange sadness emanating from the place. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why. I don't know. Um, anyway, we've got loads of music reviews, especially Michael. Uh, I hear you've uh, been listening to. I believe you had a backlog last time we spoke, so I'm sure you've you've only added to that. <laughs> Yeah, it feels like I'm just constantly discovering new stuff, so that's cool. Awesome. That's great. What, where, whereabouts are you hearing about your new stuff? Are you just kind of pottering about online and seeing uh, stuff, or have you, do you have a list of stuff you're looking forward to, or how do you usually...? It's all online. I do maintain a list of stuff that I know is coming out shortly that I'm interested in getting hold of. Okay. Um, I mean, for example, I've just, I've just picked up four new albums this week that I haven't heard yet, so I won't be talking about them. Um, Travis Scott, Kurt Vile, High on Fire... Tim Hecker, 
all artists I think I've talked about on the podcast before have just released new albums. Uh, but I usually, um, I've mentioned before that obviously Rate Your Music is a brilliant resource, uh, as you know. Um, yeah, it definitely and, is. That's where I get most of my... Uh... <laughs> yeah, and um, in terms of um, recommendations across different genres, the sites I usually use are Pitchfork, Metal Sucks and Resident Advisor for electronic music. Uh, so they're my main sources, really. Cool, awesome. Yeah, I tend to go on um, rate your music top, like the top rated of the year, top fifty or whatever, and see if anything new's appeared on there. Yeah, and that's one of my ways. And then, uh, yeah, other than that, just random review sites. If something sounds sounds appealing, I'll give it a blast. Although I've not, I feel last year I really went to town and listened to like endless stuff. I think I ended up with like a list of top my top eighty two albums of last year. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. On rate your music, but this year it's been a little bit less so. Um, I've, yeah. I've been listening to I feel like just as much music but repeating stuff a bit more often and going back to maybe it's the mental headspace I mean going back to certain things because I'm like oh this I enjoyed this I'm going to listen to that going for more of a comfortable experience than uh, breaking new ground I suppose maybe don't know yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it the uh, the habits that we adopt when we listen to things um, some albums from this year I've never I've rarely gone a few weeks without listening to, and then others I might have only listened to once or twice and loved them, but um, you know, I'm not always in the mood to go back to them. Yeah, exactly, definitely. There's, there's certain albums that sit better with that, I suppose. Like Ben Howard's album this year, I've been listening to loads just because I found it kind of suits every <laughs> every situation. Whereas there's a lot of albums that it's a bit more specific. Like I'm trying to listen to uh, the new Cloud Nothings album, which I'm really enjoying, but it's mega intense, which I love. But um, I've not been in the headspace for <laughs> something like that constantly. Yeah, um, I heard it was their um, like their darkest stuff. Or yeah, something it's, like it's, those re- lines. it's really really good for sure. I'll probably review it on a future pod. But I've, um, you have to be in the right. I kind of have to be commuting or something to, to be able to listen to it. Oh. Um, it's not the kind of thing I want to sit back in my bedroom and be like <laughs> listening to. Chill out. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But um, anyway, let's get started. So, um, Michael, do you want to get started with one of your reviews? And I'll sort of sandwich my... I've just got one in the middle somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Well, one of the... I was going to talk about uh, a bit about a band uh, rather than one of the specific albums that I've been listening to a lot and haven't really uh, been exposed to previously. Uh, and who I think are flying under the radar quite a lot, and that's uh, the Danish band Ice Age. Have you heard of them before? Um, I've not, no, no. Okay, so they're... Um, I don't I mean, think so, anyway. Broadly speaking, they are a punk band, which is why I thought you might have uh, heard of them. Um, but in, in a very arty sense, so um, it's quite a lot of post-punk influence. Uh, their earlier stuff... Um, I haven't heard their first album, they've released four overall, but the second, first album, as I understand it, and also the second album, You're Nothing... Uh, are both more hardcore influenced, uh, shorter songs, faster um, music, uh, and then after that they, they branch out more into a post-punk, more atmospheric style, plowing into the field of love. Their third album, um, I would go as far as to say, is a masterpiece already. What's that? Um, Plow, plowing into the field of love. It is, yeah. Top name. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and that's that's an album where I've, I've listened to it a few times now, and it's just like the quality is uh, amazing. It's uh, 12 tracks long, and you're just thinking, well, they can't maintain this across a whole album, but they do. Um, and it's a, it's a great triumph for, um, as I've mentioned before, for guitar music, which um, in a lot of eyes isn't doing as well uh, nowadays as it obviously always has in its dominant past in popular music. Uh, but this is all, it's also multi-instrumental efforts. Uh, you've got piano on there, uh, various other instruments from the band. Um, on their latest album, they've uh, certainly continued to incorporate um, brass section as well. Uh, the new album from this year, Beyondless, which again is a very concise, um, tightly constructed collection of ten tracks. Um, the, there's some really interesting, uh, as I say, guitar compositions on there. Uh, the front man, uh, Elias Ronnenfeld, he um, is known to be um, a big follower of literature and uh, there's a very clear literary influence to the sort of material that he writes, you know, a certain uh, poetic quality to all of it, always very interesting lyrics. The band have, I think, a really interesting aesthetic. 
as you um, might sort of associate with um, Denmark a little bit, there's quite a gothic element to uh, a lot of their music. And uh, I've been following them on Instagram and um, in terms of taste and uh, imagery, I think that really comes through. I'd describe them as um, being quite a cool-looking band, if you know what I mean, which often can be a negative because often it's all substance, uh, sorry, all style, no substance to a band like that. Um, but I would sort of compare them to Arctic Monkeys in the sense that they look the part, but they've also got the music to back it up. And I'm th I'm thinking that they could be, you know, one of the best bands in the world right now that aren't really getting that much recognition. Uh, certainly, they're known within certain circles, but I wasn't really that aware of them until I sort of came across them online and just gave their material a try. Uh, I know that they were previously um, praised uh, as one of the best punk bands in the world by Iggy Pop. Uh, I know he's also said the same thing about Sleaford Mods, who uh, we've covered extensively on the podcast and I'll be talking about a little bit later on this one. But cool. uh, yeah, without um, going into a whole lot of detail, these are the, the three albums that I've heard that I mentioned are uh, all brilliant albums. Um, as I said, the Plowing Into the Field of Love is my favourite of the three, but the new one is also um, a must-hear, I think, for anyone who's in, interested in both indie and um, you know the artier side of punk. So, yeah, a, a band that I would definitely recommend. Um, I think they, they have a bit sort of, um, I would say, a colder and slightly spikier side to, um, to the music in an indie sense than a lot of the punk sort of music that you typically talk about, Clive. But mm -hmm. I'd, still, I'd still say that you, uh, you might get something out of them, certainly, because obviously you're interested in indie music as well. Yeah, definitely. No, no, they sound really interesting. I feel like, I feel like I have heard of them, but I don't know why. Maybe I've just seen an album at some point, or, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you say this is a good um, entry point? Or often I find like the later, more sort of less raw options can sometimes be <laughs> a better entry point. But I don't know if that's the. Yeah, I, mean, I, <clears> I think, think that's the case here. I think because it goes from sort of a hardcore influenced, um, but still quite artful punk style into um, post punk. It makes sense as a progression, but I think between those second and third albums, it's still quite a big change to a more expansive sound. It's quite sudden. Okay. The, first, the first album I heard was the new one, and um, I really thought, you know, there's, there's, there's not a dud on there. Um, and then I sort of worked backwards. Uh, so I, th I just think overall the uh, Plowing Into the Field of Love is, is my favourite, but you could, pro you could probably go for any of these, but for, I think for the best access point to their sound right now, at either of their two most recent albums would be the best and the new one beyondless would be as good a as good a start as any oh okay excellent cool that's great to hear great start with some uh, typical uh, metal there or hardcore <laughs> yeah sort of a mixture with that one with uh with indie and a bit of metal uh metal, well punk influenced stuff but uh i don't think we're going to be going the full johnson today unfortunately so. oh well we can only do that once every year yeah, you can't. You once, know. Every, once every five years. No, no one needs that much, you know, that undiluted uh, intensity every exactly. every month, do they? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to think of. Um, are there any other Danish bands that, that people might have heard of? I'm trying. To, I can't think of. I can think of lots of Iceland, obviously, Finland, but I can't think of any. No, any it's make, yeah. Are they tend to be big on the like more on the metal scene or? Well, they were. I think they were more at the um, at the outset of um, sort of metal. I mean, they were big. I think there was some Danish influence on the new wave of uh, British heavy metal in the eighties, uh, mm -hmm. uh, which subsequently influenced um, the Bay Area thrash metal. But I can't think of any particularly prominent um, Danish bands in the intervening period. Really, so it, it is. I've discussed this before. I remember when we were driving back from uh, the last time we visited you in Sheffield. Actually, discussing this with Alex. Um, so the Scandinavian countries, and by, I'll include Iceland and Finland in that. Even though they're all a group of countries that we consider quite similar, they all have quite distinct musical identities. It's quite mm -hmm. strange how it's. I find yeah. it fascinating to think how that's developed over time. I mean, mm. Norway would be associated with uh, black metal generally. Um, Finnish, Finland is more now associated with power and folk metal, I would say. And it's, I mean, obviously they're distinct countries, but it's just interesting that those countries all have a specific, a specific sound that I would associate with them. Obviously, Iceland yeah. would be uh, would be more of a post rock sound. I wonder if that's. Um, in fact, I've just looked now. I, the reason I had heard of them is because I was a big fan of New Brigade. I've just 
You know, when you look up an oh, album, right, and you yeah. recognise the cover, but not the, <laughs> the yeah, name. Yeah, so the debut, yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I haven't heard, so yeah. If you're not, yeah, I was yeah. a big fan of that, but it was in 2011, so I really can't remember much about it, other than I'm looking at the, the image of the front cover now, and I'm like, yes, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I've listened to it th- since then, so obviously that's a good seven years ago. Yeah, um, you, you but, consume, yeah. I think you probably consume more than I do, so that's probably why you don't remember. Um, yeah. But it, I remember it being very ago. good. Uh, yeah, that was. I think that's straight punk, isn't it? And um, from what I remember, yeah, like, more in that vein, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was a big fan of that, so I'll definitely check out this new stuff. Yeah, awesome. There's still um, they still sort of incorporate some breakdowns in the later material that harks back to that, that okay. era of the band sound. So cool. It, it all makes a lot of sense, I think, when you listen to it. Oh, excellent. Yeah, cool. I'll have to have a listen. I was just wondering, I was just thinking about the what you're saying about it's interesting, like the identity of uh, bands in certain countries. And I feel like, I don't know, this could be completely wrong. Um, bands in English speaking countries, they have, there's less of a like sound that's like, you couldn't say there's a specific American sound. <laughs> there's like yeah. so many yeah. different things. Or I don't think you could say it the same about England as well. There's like a lot of different, I suppose if you were going to put one, you'd say sort of indie stuff, but I don't know. But I think it might be because of, um, like, a lot of the bands may have started when the members of the bands couldn't speak um, other languages, and it's purely hypothetical. And they might have listened to more bands from that country specifically so they could understand the lyrics, especially if, um, like, Denmark and Finland, and they've all got different languages. Um, yeah. So that's maybe thing, that's, yeah. that's why it becomes a bit more closed and they tend to have that as the beginning of their roots and then go from there once they... You know, a lot of these countries speak fantastic English in general, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Certainly a lot better than any English person speaks uh, foreign languages. But <laughs> yeah. um, maybe that's the roots have kind of come from there, and that's why they tend to stay in a certain... I don't know. It would be interesting to kind of um, be an interesting thesis to, to do, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. Um, it, it's really interesting cultural stuff. And uh, it's, it's funny because when you, when you just said that, American and British music. The things that popped into my head were sort of hard rock on an American side, and then um, for a British side, probably. I mean, it was just totally random, but it was like you know, uh, indie, jangly sort of indie music, uh, Man- Manchester centric stuff. Uh, but but like you say, it does a disservice to jazz, blues, hip hop, mm. and then in Britain, <laughs> in Britain, you know, grime, uh, you know, countless genres. Absolutely, yeah. I think we're probably biased with what we were exposed to at school. Uh, thinking yeah, of, of course, that as yeah. like English. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, awesome. Uh, well, I'll just go into one. Uh, I've just got a quick review of a album that I've been listening to a lot recently, which is um, cool. an album called Nearer My God by a band called Foxing. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, don't really know much about them though. Um, I, to be fair, I didn't until I started listening to this album, and, and I still don't know all that much about the band. I've mainly, mainly just listened to the album and not, you know. Sometimes yeah. I quite like listening to it and not uh, reading about the backstory and then doing that later on. <laughs> yeah, because that sort of thing, um, especially when it comes to lyrics, probably it, it tends to, well, it, it informs you before you've actually listened to it, doesn't it? It taints it in a way. Yeah, it can do, yeah. Whereas I think after you've already built your own thing of it, then reading into it can be... Uh, an yeah. interesting experience of like, oh right, okay, <laughs> that's interesting because I took that from it, but actually they Absolutely, yeah. meant that. Um, but anyway, Nearer My God is um, it's the third studio album by the band Foxing, uh, coming in at a whopping 56 minutes. It's um, oh, a long one for you. Which uh, is a long one for me, and it's the first one I've, I have listened to the previous two, but not really in depth and more like in other people's cars, yeah. uh, so not particularly intent- attentively, but I did, I did like them and I think I'm going to go back having listened to this. Um, it's a bit coincidental that I've just read up about this now and I've been recently listening to a lot of Death Cab, I've been trying to sort of go through their back catalogue mm-hmm. um, which I'm enjoying, and it turns out that Chris Waller, um, former Death Cab for Cutie guitarist, um, is the producer of this album, which I didn't realise, uh, which is interesting. And um, he actually reached out to help them following a run of uh, Bad Luck that the band Foxing had um, on a tour, including the theft of, I think it was $30,000 worth of equipment from their van on tour. I remember this being a reported, um, coming up on my Twitter and like them asking for help and stuff. That um, sucks. Yeah. That was just one of many things that happened, but I can't imagine $30,000 worth that, you know, this isn't a band that makes <laughs> endless no. amounts of money. That's going to hit you really, really hard. Yeah. Um, his you know, his role as a producer has clearly kind of changed the sound quite significantly, which even I can tell having, like I say, not heard all that much of the previous two albums, but having heard them. 
it's a really, really polished sound, um, which isn't always brilliant in my views, but um, in this case, I think it really, really works. It's ta- uh, tailor-made to make the, the loud parts feel really impactful. I think that's the one thing I take away from the production, and I think that's a lot of something that I think is getting better now. This is getting a little bit technical, but um, there used to be uh, something called the Loudness Wars, which I'm sure people have heard of, uh, the peak of which were, you know, with, with things like uh, Metallica, as a Metallica album in particular, that's particularly bad, where everything was kind of squashed to <laughs> sound as loud as possible constantly, which meant it had no dynamics and um, everything, you know, was just constantly loud. And although you can't necessarily... <laughs> I, I listen to that Metallica and I'm like, oh, it sounds horrible. But um, maybe if you've not got like a sound engineering or that kind of background, you maybe wouldn't notice. But I do think it's getting better now because things like Spotify make the, um, they just kind of standardise the volume at a certain amount. So even if you do do that, it doesn't really make your album any louder because they just reduce the volume. Um, so it may, it's made things be a bit more dynamic. So that's great. And um, this is a particular, this is a good example of that because we've got, you know, the quiet parts, when the loud parts come in, it really hits you. A bit like when you go and watch something live. And I think it's really great that that's coming back. And I think that the producer here, um, Chris Wallace, done a great job of doing that in this album. And I think that's a lot of why this album really, really works. I think those are super important, those transitions. They're really, really powerful. If you just listen to the opening track, um, Grand Paradise, which is apparently named after where they come from or something, um, is, you know, that's got a fantastic example of what I mean. That when the guitars come in about one and a half minutes through the song, the whole thing just kind of takes off and it's, it feels like this really big moment and the album's kind of full of those. And that's really one of one of my favourite things about the album. It's very cathartic because of that. Um, there's a lot of electronic influence on the album with a lot of synths. Um, see the title track, for example, and uh, quite a lot of percussive sound pad type work, which again makes the the thing sound it just makes it sound really huge it's really great production i think when you go down the electronic route you do kind of have to make the rest of it really polished otherwise the two things can kind of uh, (laughs) juxtapose in a not very nice way because obviously electronic sounds generally speaking are very polished you kind of have to polish the rest up and that's why i think the whole thing has more of a polished sound but it's uh, the production on it is really really great so um the songwriting is also on top form here in my opinion it feels like an album you could listen to it for a long long time and not get bored of it certainly i've listened to it you know probably over 20 times now and i'm certainly not bored of it and nor do i particularly think that i've got you know to the bottom of the whole thing um i always feel that that's kind of a sign of great songwriting i think there's plenty of songwriters who can make something that is immediately appealing and you're like yeah this is good um, but making that kind of last and you not get bored of it is uh, an art <laughs> um, part of that I think is because of the fact that this album is 56 minutes long so it's a bit harder to digest and so it's going to stand up to repeated listens more but I also think with each individual song um, while they're very accessible on the surface there's just a lot going on un- underneath that you discover on later listens um, lyrically I have to be honest and this kind of ties in with what we were saying Michael about like not reading up about it before and I haven't read up about it yet because I still want to kind of make my you know just listen to it and see it as my own thing as opposed to what they meant by certain things yeah. um, I'm not all too sure what it's about but I like the lyrics a lot and the, there's some great lines at the right moments that you really kind of latch onto they're good at making the over the top of the chorus they'll have something that is catchy and that has a good line over the top as well such as there's a bit where he sings i want to drive with my eyes closed which i really like and um, another one is you are not in love so stop playing along and um, being another overall i just think this is a really really accomplished album i'd perhaps say it's a little too long but to be honest i'm completely biased because it's 15 minutes longer than my commute uh, <laughs> which means i haven't been able to con- consume it as a whole as much as i have some other shorter albums um, which is a bit of an annoyance but no fault of the album itself whatsoever um, so obviously i have consumed it as a whole just not as much as um some of the other albums that come in at sort of 40 minutes but yeah, I think it's really, really good. I think everyone should check it out. It's a kind of, um, I haven't really talked about the genre, I suppose. I'd go sort of emo, indie. They're known, they're previously a bit more straight emo, I think. Um, now I'd say there's a lot of indie elements in there. And like I say, there's a lot of electronic in there too. I think it's the type of band that would be accessible to most people mm-hmm. um, while still being really, really interesting. And that, that totally not being a bad thing. <laughs> so... I think everyone should check them out, and I'm going to listen to the the first two albums now as well. But I'd be surprised if I love them as much as this, because, yeah, I think this is really, really good. Cool. 
Sounds interesting. I didn't know they had um, emo roots, actually. Even though I'd only really heard of their name and didn't know much about them, I just assumed they were uh, a straightforward indie act. But um, I'm going to look. I'm going to look up what Wikipedia says because maybe I'm chatting utter shy. And Wikipedia never shut. Oh, it says American indie rock band. Yeah, maybe right, I'm making right. maybe I'm making up the indie the emo roots. I don't know. Doesn't mean they don't maybe sound like that sometimes, but yeah. Yeah, I felt I definitely took a lot of like kind of American football style emo. Okay, yeah. From some of from some of their song earlier stuff. Great reference. Love American yeah. football. Well, I haven't heard their uh, their comeback album, but uh, no, neither have I. I don't really to. want to. Do you know what I mean? Because uh, <laughs> I think it was received more lukewarm than uh, the debut, which is not a classic. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. No, I haven't listened to it yet. I, I am intrigued too, but it's on the list at some point. Certainly, but yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely check this out. It's cool. really, really good. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, I like that you you mentioned the cl- like the classic um, example of the loudness was their Death Magnetic by Metallica. <laughs> yes, that's what I meant. Uh, Death Magnetic. Yeah, I'd forgotten the name. I think one of the other more prominent is uh, Californication by Red Hot Chili Peppers, and of course, what they have in common is they were both produced by Rick Rubin, who is uh, basically the Henry Kissinger of the loudness was. <laughs> yeah, he certainly. Uh, Kind of nailed that like ridiculously polished, but far too loud kind of sound. And uh, yeah. I think sometimes it worked more well than it did with others. But I'd say with the Chili's, it worked a little bit better than it did with Metallica. It kind of with the with that Metallica album, it's particularly obvious. I think particularly on the drums. And as a drummer, you're like, ugh. Yeah, of course. Do, yeah, drums do not sound great. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, obviously, I don't have the uh, sound engineering background that you do. You do, but. Uh, you know, it it does it doesn't sound great. Death magnetic. Um, Californication. I listened to loads when I was younger. Never really noticed, but if I go back to it now, I can hear it. So it's oh, okay. I need to. Yeah, I don't know if I've listened to that really since I've been young properly. I probably heard the odd song off it, like out of context. But I'd need yeah, to. I think it's just because I listen to so much other stuff now that most albums aren't that badly produced. You know what I mean? So mm. In sound wise, yeah. So, so you notice now, definitely. And I think, like I say, I think it is getting better because the the standards, uh, you know. Yeah, haven't the, heard the much about the loudness lately, is, is, so that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Yeah. Well, I've I've been posting stuff that I want to get on Spotify, and I was kind of researching it, and then it kind of all made sense. And like a lot of the stuff I'd learned ten years ago is now kind of irrelevant. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's great <laughs> because that was all a load of bollocks that I hated. <laughs> probably the <laughs> same with my legal training, to be honest. <laughs> quite probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, quite probably the same with anything. I bet, like for example, uh, like computer science is probably the worst for it. Oh yeah, I bet, you, I bet you finish yeah. your, your your degree of that, and a year later is out of date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it moves at that speed. Yeah, crazy. Um, anyway, Michael, so uh, what else have you got for us? Yeah, so I've been listening to a um, new album by an artist who uh, released an album that last year that I spoke about on the podcast, uh, Father John Misty. Uh, his new album, God's Favorite Customer. Uh, compared to pure comedy last year, which was um, you know nearly filled the length of a compact disc, uh, mm-hmm. this is uh, this is a much more focused effort. Uh, it's just t- ten tracks long, all, all probably almost half the length, uh, given that the uh, previous one clocked in at near, near enough eighty minutes. But I did, of course, love that album. I ranked it sixth last year in my uh, my breakdown at the end of the year. Uh, and even though this one's different in terms of length, uh, I do think it's of a very similar quality. Uh, it's got quite a Baroque influence, which, again, pure comedy did, really. Um, it seems to be, I was going to say a revival, but it's not really a revival. It's just a, a sort of theme at the moment of, uh, well, certainly between this and, again, Arctic Monkeys' his new album, uh, setting albums in hotels, quite strangely. <laughs> um, yeah, and who else did that? Was it Joe... Oh, I could be getting this completely wrong. Was it Joe Cocker? Someone else did one that was like about a specific room in a hotel and what happened in that room. Right, okay, quite possible. I'm 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 going to research it now as you talk. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine, yeah. Um, No, I'd not heard that, but yeah, that seems to be, uh, you know, Arctic Monkeys did it this year, obviously. Um, So, quite shining esque sort of uh, take lyrically on things at the moment. Um, I think it's the hotel, certainly, this is how Arctic Monkeys deployed it, and I would say how Father John Misty. Uh, deploys it. He treats it as a sort of uh, prison. Um, you could argue maybe a prison of your own mind. It's quite an interesting psychological subject. Uh, but I think also it's a very clear metaphor for uh, consumer capitalism. Uh, I think there's a lot of that going on here. Not as explicitly as on the Arctic Monkeys album, 
but it's definitely there um, as well. Uh, it's mm. I would say it's an entertaining album. It's got catchy, single-worthy tracks. If this was an album that you wanted to um, market heavily, uh, Mr. Tillman and Date Night being the, the two clear ones. Uh, I think anyone who didn't like Father John Misty before, because a lot of people aren't a fan of his um, referential lyrics uh, and the particular style that he writes with, uh, which is very cynical usually. I think anyone who doesn't like that won't get anything out of this album either. There's no change there. I think the most infamous lyric that's been uh, quoted uh, from the track The Palace is uh, uh, Last night I wrote a poem, I must have been in the poem zone. Um, <laughs> which I, I thought was a, a, gr- a great and humorous lyric, but uh, you know, it's, like it's a prime example of why people who don't like him hate him as well, I think. Hmm. Uh, they see that sort of thing as a real clunker. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there's uh, some truly gorgeous songs on here. Uh, great vocals from uh, from Josh Tillman, and just some of the arrangements are uh, really quite striking. Uh, you've got a lot of slow burning, uh, you know, slow paced tracks that are just as good as the uh, the more bouncy, as I said, single sort of style of track uh, that he's also good at writing. I, f- I feel like um, you know, on all of his albums, he's released four now. He always gets at least one. Uh, one big anthemic track in on there um, that sort of adds to the uh, the Father John Misty canon, the sort of mystique that he's building as a songwriter. Uh, Cost Tillman, um, I'm sure I'll have t- I'm sure I've talked about this last year. I haven't really mentioned it here, but he was obviously brief- briefly. Well, I said briefly for the uh, for the second album by Fleet Foxes for that whole cycle. He was their drummer, of course, mm. and uh, is also was a prolific folk artist until he changed it up, started recording in the uh, the most singular style of Father John Misty. Uh, he's one of my favourite artists out at the moment, I would say. He played in uh, in Gateshead last weekend, which I hope to get to, but it was sold out by the time I looked. Uh, so I think he, um, you know, he, do, he does have a little bit of a profile now, but uh, this is another great album. I think it'll be ranked near the top for me again at the end of the year. Um, have you ever listened to him at all, Clive? No, I need. He's one I need to get into, and I haven't. I have listened to, but because the albums were so long, I didn't get into them because I couldn't fit them into any <laughs> any into my listening habits. Um, yeah. So and I, I do need to try it because I did enjoy what I heard. It was. I'd have to look at what it was called. The one that I was listening to. It wasn't the last one. I think it was the one before that. I love you, Honey Bear. Yes, that was the one, um, and I was enjoying it. But yeah, I need to get back into. So I might check this one out. Yeah, this Sounds is really good. This is he short, seems like my so. type of artist, and it's my kind of humour. So, yeah, and it's got—I mean, it's, it's got that folk roots um, in terms of its style. Uh, you know, I could see, just like Ice Age, I could see you uh, easily enjoying this. Um, awesome. It's it got intre- I've got a comment on the packaging, which is quite interesting. Uh, the disc, <laughs> the disc when you pull it out, uh, says um, I can't remember exactly what it says, but it's on. It's released by Sub Pop, and it looks mm-hmm. like a test pressing. Uh, on purpose, oh, okay. and it has something like on it, like not for um, uh, wide distribution or something like that, which makes you sort of double take when you have a look at it. But uh, <laughs> this is a prime example of um, you know the antics of the Father John Misty character, that sort of idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, th- I think it's interesting that this album, uh, he sort of expressed that it felt necessary to uh, to do this after the longer uh, pure comedy album. And, sort of get it off your chest almost and I think the fact that it's to me it's just of the same standard is uh you know really encouraging just shows that he's um you know I think he's got a lot a lot more up his sleeve to come yeah absolutely it seems like it that's really good um it was Jarvis Cocker I was thinking of you know what I've spent my entire life getting Joe Cocker Cocker and Jarvis Cocker confused (laughs) because they're both both from bloody Sheffield oh right uh, yeah of course and they're both uh, names begin with J yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was Pulp Man, uh, Jarvis Cocker I meant, not Joe Cocker. I don't know what Joe Cocker's done to be honest. Um other than there was a guy in Switzerland who my dad's friend always used to say looked like Joe Cocker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. And and I've just looked at a picture of Joe Cocker and he really does. Um <laughs> but anyway, irrelevant. Yeah, this album I'm talking about was called Room Twenty Nine, which uh, Jarvis Cocker did with Chili Gonzalez. I've not heard it. I didn't um, know I've about heard some, okay. some good things about it, but it's about yeah, one specific hotel room in a in a hotel. Yeah, I think like I said, um psychologically and also as a wider metaphor, it gives you quite a rich um sort of vein to uh, to mine in terms of lyrical content. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of that going on on uh, on this album. Um, I mean, it's a, yeah. got the film as well, haven't we? Bad Times at El Royale, oh, based yeah. in a hotel. So yeah, that looks quite so, interesting. There's a yeah. lot of ho- yeah, I've seen it. It's good. 
Yeah. So, flawed, but good. Yeah, right, okay. (laughs) We'll talk about it on the film pod. But, yeah. Yeah, well, well, I mentioned The Shining. We could mention Psycho, you know. There's just something about it that, uh, you know, that sort of isolation and claustrophobic uh, setting. Perfect for uh, any sort of fiction, I think. Yeah, and the fact, I suppose, the fact that no no one's at home. Um, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uprooted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, strange, strange setting. Um, I haven't. I'll just whiz through what I've been listening to. Uh, okay, yeah. Have a look on my, you know, my, my spot, Spotify. See what I've been listening to. Okay. But um, I haven't got anything massive to talk about. I've still got some uh, stuff. If you uh, after that, if you want me to just oh, uh, awesome. power yeah, we could it. have another one, Michael. That'd be great. Yeah, we'll whiz through right, whatever, yeah. whatever you want to do. Um, yeah. Like I say, the new Cloud and Things album, Last Building Burn. I'm going to review that next time. I think that's been really good. Um, I've been getting into. Yes, this is a good point. Um, I went to see John Butler Trio. I don't know oh, if you've yeah. heard of him. Yeah. Um, Australian kind of rootsy folk band, um, which I was a big fan of about eight years ago, but never got a chance to see them and haven't, to be honest, listened to anything since then. Um, but I got invited to a gig at the Albert Hall in Manchester, which is a really good venue. Oh, great. I thought yeah. it would be perfect. So I went and, uh, yeah, it was really good. It was, um, he played, he has this song called Ocean, which I uh, employ everyone to check out. It's 12 minutes long. It's just him on an 11-string guitar. And he played that, and honestly, it was one of the, the best things I've ever seen live. It just, like, <laughs> completely transported me somewhere else, and it was just, like, quite amazing that it was just one guy on a guitar doing all this. Yeah. And he used, uh, like, I'm not the world's greatest advocate of loop pedals, and I feel like sometimes they just lead to kind of lazy songwriting of, like, yeah. oh, well, if I layer enough things on this, it'll make it good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, I think he he uses it in this like the, he originally wrote Ocean. It was five minutes long, and he's since kind of expanded it. And he uses a loop pedal to great effect, just to kind of really I don't know. He just does it in a way that's like really impactful in the music. And yeah, I think it's a really great use of it. And it's totally not obvious at all either. Um, and I think it was just a really really fun. Like the rest of the gig was really good, but not particularly didn't stand out from anything else that much other than I think he's a really charismatic performer and he's uh, obviously, you know, he's very kind of politically aware and his chats in between songs are interesting and, you know, up my alley in that respect. Um, yeah. But, and so are the content of his songs. But, yeah, that was just one of the, you know, just when you see this fab- fabulous musicianship but put forward in a way that's not just like, oh, look at how amazingly I can play guitar, um, but actually something that affects you in a deep way. <laughs> It yeah, was gosh. yeah, really really fabulous. So that so I've been listening to a lot of um, Tin Shed Tales, which is like a live album of his, which has got a version of that song on, which is fantastic. Um, the whole album's a good listen. It's a good like background, well like a chill out album because he's you know generally quite a positive, relaxed. He generally either writes happy songs or angry political songs. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's quite, that's quite polarized. Uh, one of the two um, but his angry political songs aren't always you know it's the anger is kind of not that obvious if you just listen to the melody if you know what I mean yeah um, like I said I've been less, listening to a lot of Death Cab um, something about airplanes mainly and we have the facts and we're voting yes uh, which I'm really enjoying which is very early Death Cab um, and it, I've also listened to DJ is it Coe's uh, is he German yeah DJ Coe's yeah yeah because it, <laughs> it looks like Kotzer, which in Swiss means sick. Uh, to be honest, I have no idea how to pronounce it. So um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that word's the same in High German, though. So I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but I've been listening to that album a lot, and yeah, really, really, really like it. I oh, think good. it's really varied. Um, some really great stuff on there. It's it's good as a background and as an attentive listen. Um, yeah. It's like the kind of thing I can do while doing some planning. It's not too distracting, but also if I listen to it on its own, it's really, really good. Um, yeah, I really, really like this album. It's probably going to be my favourite like electronic album of the year. I'd be surprised if it isn't. Yeah, it could be for me as well, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah, it's really, really good. I know James Cable, who's absent today, is also a big fan of that. So Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and that's about it for me. Yeah, no worries. Well, I've got some other stuff to talk about. Um, some of it is stuff you've actually talked about already. So, uh, Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, chip in I'm sure uh, just you mentioned obviously um, what, what you'd seen live there um, I've just got tickets to go and see Mastodon in uh, January and Ooh, uh, it's, it, it's significant because it'll be my fifth time so they'll become my most seen band yeah. at that point overtaking Metallica so yeah looking awesome. forward to that um, they're also bringing uh, Scott Kelly of uh, the band Neurosis with them 
Uh, he was with them on some of the dates of their last tour when I saw them, but he wasn't in on the UK leg. Um, besides the fact that Neurosis, I think, are one of the most influential bands that no one really knows of the last 30 years, probably. Uh, Kelly has guested on at least one track from um, the last six Mastodon albums. So I'm hoping that with him there, uh, I'm going to get a chance to see, because he's performing with them, uh, some tracks live that I haven't seen Mastodon perform. So looking yeah, forward cool. to that. Because um, that, that's basically what I'm doing now, just thinking, oh, which songs have I not seen them perform? And then hoping that they will when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just an al- I was just going to talk about an album that I listened to yesterday, a great album from 2016, uh, Atrocity Exhibition by Danny Brown. Um, Brown's a rapper from uh, Detroit who, when he first emerged sort of at the start of the decade through um, guest appearances on other prominent albums, feels like people weren't really sure whether he was um, actually that great or not. But since then, he's gone to become one of the most reliable and just great, flat-out great uh, rappers of this decade. Uh, he's really on a hot streak of albums, but this album was his best received. It's um, I think it benefits a lot from uh, being uh, very cohesive in terms of production, a lot of the production is done by the British producer Paul White. Quite unusual for a hip-hop album, but Brown seems like an artist who's uh, who's not afraid to do unusual things within hip-hop. Uh, his previous album, Old, was quite interestingly divided into uh, an old half and a new half. Uh, first half was more classical production, although I would say it wasn't it wasn't your typical golden era style hip-hop. It was still quite... It had a definite musicality to it. And then the second half was... Um, was more sleek, electronic, modern-sounding production. So it made for an interesting structure, but I think this one it benefits from the fact that it feels um, you know, like more of a whole in terms of production. It's, uh, it's quite dark, uh, very interesting production. Uh, I really like the drum work on this album. Uh, a lot of drum work in hip-hop seems quite lazy, but when it syncs up with um, the rhyme schemes and the beats really well, I think you really notice that, and it's a key feature of the album. Lyrically, Brown's always been, um, I mean, his stuff, I would say, has always been focused around uh, what you'd typically call the tears of a clown. I mean, it's um, hmm. it's quite, uh, a lot of it's quite um, dark, some of it's humorous, um, often blended together, but generally it comes across as a cry for help, I think, which is what, I think, what people now expect when they come to his work. And on on this album, I think it, it, this is where he really nails it. Uh, gets everything that he'd previously done perfectly right on this album, which is why I think it's been his, his most warmly received record. It's named for the Joy Division album, apparently because of Brown and Paul White's shared love of that album. Uh, but of course, also a reference to the J.G. Ballard novel, which I have to give a shout out to. It's one of the finest experimental novels I've ever read. Um, so the I would I would say. Not in terms of style, really, or anything. It's certainly not as lyrical, but I would compare it to um, an album from the noughties, Mad Villain, uh, Mad Villain's album Mad Villainy, which is a, an absolute hip-hop classic, uh, in the sense that I think it's probably one of the most prominent, this album, Atrocity Exhibition, one of the most prominent weirdo rap uh, records of this decade. And Brown, I'm not really sure where hip-hop heads stand on him exactly. I think um, a lot of them are a fan of him. I think he's much more beloved of um, hipsters and more general, wider music nerds like myself. Um, But I think within certain communities, he's definitely regarded as one of the most interesting rappers out there right now. And uh, just because I'd listened to this album again yesterday, I thought it was worth talking about. Uh, But it's a very atmospheric, quite unusual album, but highly listenable as well. Uh, And as I say, quite dark content, subject matter in there for a lot of it, but... Uh, it seems to be tying into more of a theme of Brown's work, which is of um, you know artists who uh, generally self-abuse, I would say. So, yeah, a pretty stellar album. Awesome. Um, I did actually listen to this one back in... Did you say it was 2016? Yeah, yeah. So you've heard yeah, this, yeah. But not, um, yeah, not not a lot. So I need mm. to I need to go back. It's one of those that I listened to a couple of times and then forgot about. <laughs> I need to get back to it because I did I did really enjoy it. There was one song in, on there in particular that I loved. I can't remember the name of, but I might in research now and see if I can remember it. I know it was near the start, but yeah, he definitely was really like unique, kind of like nothing I'd heard before. Because he is, of yeah, his cadence his and delivery as yeah. well are really uh, striking, and I think that's what puts a lot of people off, especially when he first mm. emerged. But um, you know, he diversifies it a bit as well, uh, switches it up a little few times on this album. 
but definitely it would be hard to it would be hard to try and guess which track you loved because it's just full of gems this one so yeah uh, it's a very consistent album and uh, in terms of hip hop which is often where the albums are often overblown there's no fat on this one so mm. yeah so yeah so i just had a few other things i'll mention that um you won't have heard um, I'm, i don't know have you you heard the new sleaford mods ep by any chance um, I haven't. No, I haven't no. heard the whole EP. No, I've only heard the sticking and five and go. I need to listen to the to the EP. I, I think I've heard it once and then again. Yeah. Well, the thing is, recently my uh, phone died and I had to send it in, and I had loads of stuff downloaded. All right. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. then uh, I got it back and had nothing, and then since then I've kind of forgot what I had downloaded on it. That was one of those things. <laughs> where yeah, it's easier, yeah. I see what's downloaded and go, okay, I need to listen to this, and then you, that's how I kind of decide what to listen to. So it's thrown me for a loop a little bit. But yeah, oh, I need yeah. to I need to check it out more. But I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so it's the new self-titled EP. It's just five tracks long, uh, like, much like their previous um, EP since they signed to the Rough Trade uh, TCR from two years ago. Um, I think it's what we've come to expect from uh, late period Sleaford mods in terms of um, you know the much more song focused now than in the past, where it was um, you know quite angry music. It still is, but it's uh, channeled in a different way. I'd say a different sort of energy to it. Um, I like the tracks um, "Bang Someone Out" and "Joke Shop." But I really want to focus on the track that you mentioned, uh, Stick in a Five and Go, which I think is uh, probably one of my favourite tracks of the year. Um, some people are saying that um, the, you know Sleaford mods aren't as um, vital as they used to be. But I think this is a key track that proves why for a lot of people, including myself, they are. Uh, it's a hilarious track about a very contemporary theme uh, in it. Um, we hear um, Jason Williamson uh, talking about... Um, driving up to Leeds after being abused on Twitter by someone from Leeds, getting his address from his mate at the DVLA, uh, buying a postman's outfit from the Royal Mail and uh, going to his house to chin him. <laughs> if, if that isn't classic Sleaford mods, then I don't know why it's... <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, um, <clears throat> and uh, has the um, brilliant refrain uh, repeated towards the end of the song, you need to sign for it, mate, where he's trying to draw the guy out of his house. <laughs> So it's just everything. You need to what? Sorry, you could. You need to sign for sign for it, mate. So. Uh, oh right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the uh, parcel that he isn't actually delivering. Um, so I just I love every element of the song, and I just thought it was a, a classic Sleaford Mods track. Um, just another one to add to the list, really. So yeah, love it. Um, Definitely. The, I mean, I think I think yeah. the problem is well, maybe people are thinking they're becoming less relevant because of. I mean, yeah, I, I also disagree, but I think. They've said a lot of the things that have needed to be said already. Yeah, um, that's so true. that what they're what they're talking about is maybe a bit more niche and less like whole the whole of things that the whole of Britain is dealing with, and a bit more like yeah. Um, but I don't think their style has like got any worse. Or, or the you know I, I think it's just as interesting. But it is I could see why someone would say that. But I think it's natural. You know you can't write about the same topic over and over and over again. <laughs> Oh yeah, um, and probably I mean it's only another thing is just that I think over time it becomes less striking. Obviously, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. There was nobody like them. There still isn't. I mean, but it's it's not as surprising to people now. Obviously, no, because there's other there's other albums like it. So it's like, uh, but yeah. when you think there is there is still no one like them, <laughs> it's just oh, that yeah. they've got a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I do yeah. think they've evolved in terms of how they write songs. Um, and it, I just feel like things keep happening that keep them relevant. Obviously, mm. originally they were called, you know, the band for Austerity Britain. Now it's Brexit Britain. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as long as things are bleak, there's going <laughs> to be a, there. Yeah, there's, there's going to be room for them. You know. Yeah, yeah for sure. <clears throat> so the only other things I was going to just briefly talk about were I've now heard uh, the Kids See Ghosts album and uh, Pusha T album Daytona, which when you talked about them, Clive, I hadn't heard. Oh yeah, um, I remember. Yeah, so um, I love both of them. Uh, I mean, seven tracks is, in terms of focus, it's just the perfect length, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's 23 it is, minutes, yeah. basically. Um, there's nothing but fire on the Pusha T album. I mean, he's on an absolute roll there. Mm-hmm. Uh, every track is blistering. And um, even though I had his debut solo album, for some reason I'd never heard um, King Push, the prelude, his, uh, his second album. Okay. So I was inspired to go back and listen to that, and it's basically more of the same. I thought it was excellent as well. Um, it doesn't just have one producer like uh, Daytona does with Kanye. It has a variety, but I think Pusher knows how to pick his beats. It still seems very similar, 
the tracks are really engaging. And people probably find this quite a strange comparison, but uh, I think there's no one who has the enunciation that Pusha T has in hip-hop. And uh, it really reminded me of... Um, I mean, I don't know how if I've ever mentioned him or talked about him much on any of the podcasts, but Frankie Boyle is one of my absolute favourite, probably not just comedians, but people, to be honest. And uh, it remind, his, the way he um, he delivers his material, Pusha T, actually reminded me of, uh, of, <laughs> of him a little bit. There's, there's, I mean, you can't... You can tell Frankie Boyle used to be an English teacher, which I think a lot of people don't know, because his delivery and the way he enunciates his jokes is absolutely perfect. It really adds an emphasis to it. Mm-hmm. I feel like nobody's doing that better than Pusha T um, in hip hop at the moment. So yeah, that's that's what I get out, get from it when I listen to uh, to his work. But it's superbly produced the new album by uh, by Kanye as well. We can say what we like about his politics. Obviously, we all know yeah. how absurd <laughs> they are. Um, but in terms of music, he's still proving he's got that production talent that he's always had. Uh, the same goes for the Kids See Ghost album, really. This one, I mean, if, I'd be interested to know what proportion of of the uh, album actually features rapping in terms of time, because this mm-hmm. this be- almost barely registers as hip hop. It feels like. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see what you mean. Yeah, it's highly psychedelic. A lot of the best moments on it are just purely musical rather than um, rapped lyrics. I think my favorite track on it is the closing one, uh, Cudi Montage, which um, heavily samples uh, one of Kurt Cobain's home recordings for the riff sort of a really powerful inspiring track and the whole thing to me seems to be about you know I don't perhaps I don't know if it's too far to say it's certainly about anxiety and things like that I would say uh, dark thoughts I don't know if it's you know if it like a lot of Kanye's work has been about that and it's been sort of from a superstar perspective but I feel like this was more general I feel like a lot of people could get a lot of inspiration from this uh, and it's an interesting duality when you've got that going on, and then in terms of Kanye's public persona and the coverage that gets, you know, it's highly negative coverage, and I don't really disagree with it being either. Uh, although obviously he's clearly got a lot of issues that we're probably not aware of all of them. Uh, but yeah, I think these are both really interesting albums um, that, uh, as I say, add to uh, Pusha T's legacy, Kanye's legacy. And uh, I'm hoping that the other two albums from the Wyoming sessions are going to be released on CD. If they're not, I'll still eventually hear them, but I'm still waiting for the, the Nas and Tiana Taylor albums, especially because I already all have all of Nas's other albums. Yeah, uh, I'm sure, I hope they will. I guess it'll just take some time, I don't know. Yeah, Weird. yeah. It's, it took a good few months for Kids See Ghost to see CD release, uh, so we'll see about that. But um, Kanye, he was supposed to surprise drop a new album um, this month, didn't happen, and now it's been delayed till next month, apparently. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Um, is, is, it, is the name Yandy? Yes, that it is, yeah. yeah. Another ridiculous album name from it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's been, it's been posited as a sequel to Yeezus because he posted very similar <laughs> album artwork, or lack of album artwork, because it doesn't have artwork, of course, Yeezus. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently he's working in... He's in Uganda now working on it, so... Okay. Um, there seems to be this whole narrative where certain places are associated with Kanye albums. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was famously worked on in Hawaii. Yeezus mm-hmm. was largely Paris, I believe. Uh, and then you had these latest uh, spate of albums from Wyoming, and now you've got Uganda in the mix. So we'll see. We'll see what <laughs> that produces. Don't know if the album is actually going to come out next month. But then I didn't believe that the five Wyoming albums were going to come out when he first announced them, and then yeah. Did, so. Uh, be really yeah. interesting to see how long this album is, what what sort of style it's in, uh, and it's Kanye, so I'll be first in the line. Yeah, definitely interesting to see what he's going to do. Um, and I mean, the last one he ended up changing some of the songs after it had already been released. So <laughs> yeah, he's, that's something <laughs> who knows? he needs to do now. The uh, the ever evolving album. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Maybe it's because there was other people involved with these seven that that they came out more on the, these five. Sorry, that they came out more. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not Reliably. sure exactly how Although it works, he did obviously but... have his own one in the middle there as well. Yeah, but... he did, yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I know it's, we mentioned Drake Music. I'm very interested. I'm not, I wouldn't agree with this, even though I think they're both two of the best albums of the year. But I noticed that Kids See Ghost and Pusha T are occupying the top two spots there uh, for, the, for 2018, which is really interesting. It shows you that people have connected with these albums. Um, I think Kanye's a lot lower down in the 60s somewhere, um, which. Probably makes sense. I wasn't. I didn't love that album as much, although I still liked it as a Kanye West album. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, these these have been t- two of the best received albums of the year for sure. And uh, it's an interesting uh, renaissance for Kid Cudi, who, I mean, he has he's had a, a strange career trajectory. 
when he came out, he had quite a cult following, but critics didn't really respect him. And then he's been, he's been sort of doing his own thing for years. He's been releasing albums. They're usually very long uh, concept albums, I think. I've not actually listened to any of them. Um, but they, they haven't really had that sort of respect. And uh, then, obviously, on this album, he, he's probably been involved in what will prove to be a career highlight there, I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's my, it's still my favourite album of the year. I absolutely love it. But, um, yeah, they're both really good, those two you've mentioned. So Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think the track Reborn, which is obviously heavily Kid Cudi really um, focused uh, and was obviously um, largely his brainchild, I would say, I would interpret from hearing it, as being one of the best-received tracks on the album. So it's not like it's not like you can say it's a Kanye album featuring him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Maybe it just... Um, I mean, like I said, I've not listened to any Kid Cudi stuff either, so I don't know, but... Maybe his experimentalism got reined in a little bit, and that's why. <laughs> I think that's correct. Yeah, just yeah. purely basing it on things I've read and songs, yeah. ta- so, like song, album lengths on his own solo material and stuff. I think you're probably right there. Yeah, it got kind of more uh, condensed into. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is uh, another by str- Kanye. Yeah, so another, really well. Another string to Kanye's bow as a producer. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Oh, awesome. Well, uh, we've had. Just two people, but a lot of content there, mainly thanks to you, Michael. So, That's all right. We've, I think you've contributed uh, just as much as well. So, Well, for, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, discussion. So, Yeah, we've had, some, we've had some good discussions. It's been good. Yeah. Um, awesome. So um, I will just whiz through. Oh, I normally have plug time up at this point, but I don't, so I'm just going to have to wing it. Okay. Um, I had a, <laughs> I had a list. I'll do one of my old school rambly ones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at at stickaroundcast and um, you can find us on stickaroundpodcast.com for articles there's all the episodes up there all kinds of stuff pictures of us if you want to look at that you know why not um, <laughs> that's the place to go for everything you can find us on facebook at i think it's slash stickaroundpodcast we're on slash stickaroundpodcast on instagram if not it's slash stickaround i always forget which is which and that more or less covers it. But if you could send us an email, that'd be fabulous. You can go on the website, there's a, a contact button. Um, you can just fill out a form, tell us which show you want your email read out in, and uh, we will read it out in that show. Or you can just send us an email to stickaroundpodcast at gmail.com, and uh, we'll read it out there. If you could go onto iTunes and give us a five-star or a one-star, got to be polarising, um, review, that would be fabulous because that really increases the amount of people who see it kind of in their listings and things, um, apparently. And we do notice every time someone does give us a five-star review, uh, the the numbers bump up a bit, so that's really useful. So, you know, that would be a nice, easy way to help us out. And uh, finally, we've also got a Just Giving page. We are, I've, again, I've not got the thing up, so <laughs> I, don't, I can't remember the exact link, but if you're going to Just Giving and search for Stick Around, you can give some money to... Um, shelter in our name um, and help the kind of crisis of homelessness that's happening in the UK at the minute um, I know the Sleaford Mods in particular are yeah. backing uh, backing that in a big way and they've uh, always got talking about shelter on their Twitter and uh, got people uh, taking money for shelter outside um, all the gigs that I've been to of theirs anyway so that would be useful if you could do that and um, I think that about covers it we'll be back with it'll be could be any of the other three I think it's TV that's due to be honest which I'm quite excited about because I want to talk about Handmaid's Tale, but um, All right. we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see if that's what happens because, yeah, I've absolutely loved it. I know you're also a big fan, Michael. So Huge, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's probably my favourite TV show. Right now I think it's the best thing on TV, yeah. So, certainly. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's time to say bye. Thank you very much, Michael, for coming along and sharing so many awesome reviews, as always. Thank you for having me, no problem. And uh, yeah, a great mix, as always, as well. Loads of genres. Yeah, I do try. Um, yeah. <laughs> You've you succeeded. Not the full Johnson, like you say. But not quite. No, not pretty quite. damn close. Well, I was hoping uh, that uh, I was hoping that Cable would be with us actually, so I could um, talk a bit with him about the new John Hopkins album because I know he's a fan and it, I think ooh. it's amazing. But save that for another time. That would have been good. Yeah, we'll save that for next time. That can be a, a thing we can use to persuade him to come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I'm going to listen to that soon, hopefully, as well. I'm kind of working through the John Hopkins back catalogue at the minute and haven't got to the new one yet. Right, really yeah. enjoying it. It's great. Yeah. It's good to see his kind of development as well as you great go along because the there, first yeah. one is quite a lot more basic. I still love it, <laughs> right. but it's a lot more... Mm-hmm. You can see it's a bit more straightforward. Um, and, yeah, so we'll, we'll be back soon. Subscribe. Come around next time, and thanks for listening. And remember to 
Stick around. Stick around. Pop. Thank you all for listening. Rest assured that you have found the best podcast in the universe. It's Stick Around.